You I know. Good morning and welcome to your daily game face, a rare edition on a Monday. Lou, <laughs> I'm talking to you, Lou. You have to fix my screen. I gotta fix the audio first before. Oh, now no one can hear me. Should I start over? No, they can hear you. They can hear you too well, actually. Mm. Extra special. Yeah. So good morning. And welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon, and I'm here with Lou, who needs to fix my screen. Ugh, I can't see it right. Forget it. You can't see it? Do you want me to come in and fix your screen? Forget it. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, there I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a morning. So we have a rare edition today. Yes. And, well, it's going to be the topic of my discussion today, because what better topic than my topic today but i'm actually going to frame it a little different we're not going to have banter as much today Mm -hmm. because it's a sad day but i'm going to talk about the fact that did you know that men do not seek out health care at an exorbitant amount of like comparative rate than women like it's insane like Uh, how much men and i'm going to talk to you about this because i'm guilty as well hey what i'm guilty as well well this is this is why i thought it'd be timely so so I'll give context to the topic of the day, men's health. But the context is is that when I was on my amazing high last week of my PR, mm-hmm. and I went about my wonderful Wednesday and left here and did my day, I, the unfortunate event of my um, one of my very dear close friends at 46, year old, 46 years old had a massive heart attack at my home, and he passed away. Yeah, 46. 46 years old. So... I have the face burn going on right now as I'm speaking about it. That face burn right before the tears come out. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so if I start to cry, you know, I'm human, so this is what happens. Yep. People often think that doctors don't cry. Right. Because we live in a box. You're supposed to be very practiced about your I'm emotions. I'm supposed to be very pragmatic and no feelings. Well, ever. Uh, that's, that's the image. <sighs> Breathing. <laughs> Breathing. Anyway, so, uh, so it was... Um, it was very obviously sudden, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it was incredibly shocking and sad. And my husband was there and his two of his children were in my home at the same time. And mm-hmm. I was at work. And yeah, so long story short, yeah, uh, life taken very quickly and way too early and young and very sad. So it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a blur. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working, but it's been a blur. So anyway, so men's health. And so I I thought it would tie in because we talk a lot about, you know, health in general for everybody and, you know, the benefit of eating good and uh, exercising and taking good care of yourself on varieties of levels. And and so but men do not seek out health care like women do on many fronts. It's gotten better over the years, but still men tend to not go to doctors for a variety of reasons um, and you just admitted that you're not a seeker of, of health care either um, and you know and I see this all the time in my practice that I'll say oh you need to go see a doctor for this so that we can rule out blah 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 before we treat it this way yeah. and I get that you know that side eye look of like I'm not doing that <laughs> why can't you fix it um, you know and, and how important you know heart health and internal health and dental health and mental health and all the pieces that go together and people really miss miss the boat and you know he was a man and and he was notorious for bypassing yeah 
things and and not taking care in that way because he's a guy um no offense guys but you got to get out there and and really you know utilize healthcare. so um especially when you have um things in your family you know like i have stuff in my family you know there's hypertension there's diabetes there's heart yeah. disease there's uh, uh all the isms that you can imagine that run in my family so you know but i'm a woman so i seek out care when I seek out care, but men are notorious for not doing that. So what do you think, Lou? Why? What is your reason? Because I can give you a variety of reasons that I always hear, and I know that through research and also anecdotal evidence, but why do you not do it? I, I don't know if my reason applies for everybody. Okay. Everyone knows me. I'm a threat generator. Yeah, well, yeah, well that's the reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're, that's, you, that's my reason. You, everything is, well, you're like everyone else that I see pretty much. They're like, I don't want to go because I'm going to find out I have cancer. Yeah. And so it's immediately like right to the death. <laughs> I, I'm going to go and I'm, my life is going to change. And, you know. So when you, so given that we talk about control, <laughs> right, and having yeah. internal sense of control, wouldn't you rather know something so that you could have some sense of control over it than just randomly like flying through life wondering if, well... You know, I might have a heart attack or something might... I guess, but I'm at that point in my life where I probably have... I'm probably past control. Yeah, you know, I'm threat generating. I'm Look whatever you're doing it right I have, now. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I'm past the point where I can control it. So, well, yeah, but but that's not true, though. Yeah. You can always... You can all, I mean, if you find out you have something... But listen, you work in the business. <clears throat> you understand... I do. There's the truth, and then there's what a person faces while they're making these decisions. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. I do. I do understand this whole process. Yeah, and I think so. That, I understand I think the rational part of it. What? I understand the rational part of it, and yes. part of my goal this year because I am long past due for a lot of simple tests and stuff like that. I'm healthy. I don't have any problems. I'm not on any meds. I'm not doing anything. Right. But I'm long past time where I should have been, you know, tested or the regular tests and things like that. And that's been one of the things I've been battling this summer. I really have to go and get this stuff done. So how do I get you to do it? <laughs> I guess I have to. I guess so I, after, yeah, you have to find that my, myself, right? Well, and you, have to, and you have to have a compelling reason for yourself, sure, from internal that it's like you don't want to suffer. Yeah. And, you know, but people kind of say, oh, that pain isn't anything or that thing isn't anything, you know. Just kind of let it linger <laughs> and linger. The only pain <laughs> I'm having right now is a little knee pain, which is new, but. Knee pain? Yeah. Oh, well, see, it took how, how long to get John to go get his knee done? And Well, you said it was trouble getting stuff, too. Well, it was trouble getting stuff, too, but also it took, you know, the 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 male jumping in the way of, you know, himself of, yeah, yeah I'll call tomorrow. Because after you get him in the door, this is what happens to a lot of people in general, is that once a person starts putting the ball in motion, it's like if they get one rejection or one non-answer from a doctor's office or whatever, it's like, ah. Right. And then you lose steam. It's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Well, for men, that's one of the big problems here is that the medical system is not easy to negotiate. Right. Right. First of all, first of all, try to get an appointment. Right. These days. Right. Oh, it's and, terrible. And then try to get an appointment for the things you need. You're talking about John not, not being able to get a test that he needs. Right. To go forward. So. Right. Plus, you know, everyone's freaked out because we're coming out of a pandemic and hospitals aren't what they used to be. And Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it was, and it was interesting because the hospitals are very still. I because I just was in it last week, um, on Wednesday. The hospitals are still very much about as if we're in the middle of the pandemic, which I understand Makes Delta sense. is yep. raging, but it's very specific about like you. It's hard to get into the hospital and how much they allow in and what you can do and. 
Like they wouldn't let me pass the front door without this procedure. So, and, and a lot of people don't want to go through that. So they'll avoid it. Yep. So in doctor's offices, some are seeing people, some aren't. And I think, so here's the comparison gender wise. Women tend to just keep pushing through, pushing through. Women also tend to be more what we call hypo, hyperchondriacal. So <laughs> we, we, we threat generate to the yeah. extent that we are, you know, dead, reborn and dead again. <laughs> well, we do that too, but you guys confront it. Well, the, well that's yeah. the thing is we yeah. go and confront it. And then whereas men will go to the door in their head and be like, yeah, it's okay. I'm fine. It will get better <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So, and, I, and I think that that's such a, as, a, as you know, I've been talking about this for over a year on my show, is that, you know, it's such a common thing that people just don't s do the right thing for themselves or they put something else in front of it or some, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll exercise tomorrow. I'll, I'll have this extra thing today. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, about my dental care. Like, whatever it is, it's, you know, and, it, and they all pile up. Frankly, costs a part of it, too. It's what? Cost is a part of it, too. Yeah, oh, well, and that's, oh, God. So that's, so yeah. people's insurance is unbelievable in terms of deductibles. Um, I have I have a client that has to hit a $5,000 deductible before they even start getting their anything paid for. And yeah. it's in a tier program, so you have to go through these tiers. So you have to go to a certain type of place and certain types of doctors and only people. And it's, if you're already, if you're putting up all those obstacles... <laughs> It's a, you've, and you've already got people that are going to not do it because of their own obstacle, and then you put another one in front of it, and then you add money and have to pay extra. It's people just go forget it. Yeah, it's very. It's so it's it's quite the it's quite the system. I, I will say that my friend, dear Bill Billy, mm -hmm. um, he he was seeking care, um, and it's just I think it was so much. There was so many things, um, and it was probably not soon enough, in mm -hmm. my opinion. But he knew, and he was doing what you do. <laughs> procrastinate, procrastinate, threat generate, threat generate, procrastinate. I mean, it's not a new story. It's like what people do. Did he know he had cardiac problems? Well, I mean, I had, know specifically he, we could suspect it, but did he, he know? He didn't know he had cardiac problems. He actually yeah. knew that, well, he had cardiac problems in his history, family history, um, his dad. Um, but specifically him, no. But he had other things going on that would lead to that as an outcome potentially right. but he was working on those things but you know like most people who procrastinate you know yeah. it was just not enough and you didn't get it a warning like, shot and it was <laughs> it was probably too little too late yeah you know unfortunately and he didn't get a warning shot no which is often what right men need right yeah right so it has to have that little scare you know and so and that is true because, you know, typically I see turnaround in people when they have that, like, <gasps> moment of, oh, my God, I get it now. And, you know, but I, th and I think people have, I mean, I have people in my practice. I've had a person in my practice for years that has had this, don't even say anything about this because I don't know why he has this. But whenever he was first in my office the first few years, I think we're, at, I think we're, at, he's had seven strokes in my office. In seven. your office. Yep, and he's been taken out on ambulance. This was he hasn't had any of of late, but this is years ago. He, I think he's been taken out by ambulance th three times. <laughs> and now we're really good at detecting it. I see it coming. Yep. And so he has he has a neurological issue that's now created them, but we've got it under control now. But his very first stroke he had in my office, and I saw it happening, and and then. <laughs> 
and I, I only giggle because I'm in my head thinking about like I know now when it's starting and yeah. he just has this thick you know he has diabetes and he has a couple other things that happen and then he has a sugar drop and then it's like he goes into a seizure and then he gets the Bell's palsy and then he can't and then he's talking word salad and it's like within and I'm like oh 911 yeah and he's you know so he's how often older, is this though. happening he's much older otherwise but, how often is this happening otherwise though well, it doesn't. It was happening. The first few were happening within the first year. Yeah. And then we spanned out, and now it's not happening at all. And it's been over fifteen years now. Yeah. Wow. Right. <laughs> Look at <laughs> Lou's, Lou's face is like what? I mean, it's a, it's a weird. It's it's one of my anecdotal awesome stories about the fact that he's had warning shot after warning shot, and because of those warning shots, he's been able to um, adjust where it's been able to control for the issue, but. Now we at least can be humorous about it. And I'm, I'll look and I'm like, are you going to stroke? Because, you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm like, oh, God. And I always do the checklist. Have you have you eaten? Have you had your sugar today? Have you done, all, you know, because he's got a, a litany. He's got some heart disease. He's got diabetes. He yeah. has neuropathy. He has, um, like, he's, he's hard to, he's got a little bit of a weight issue. You know, he's got the trifecta three times over. And he just keeps stroking. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And the doctors are like, well, some people have that. It's a rare thing. And I'm like, why does it have to be in my office? <laughs> so, and at the first few times I was like, people were saying, like, is he having, um, like, stressful conversations? I'm like, no, actually, he's actually very happy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and he's a veteran, too. So, but we aren't talking about, it's not like he was in the midst of talking about something straining and over the top. It was just, it just started happening. No, but that's, you, you go through that. So many times, yeah, and then you finally decide to do something about it, and you recognize you can control it. I mean, you get to really regret all those other times. Right. How many ambulance trips do you have to have? Right. Well, and that's, but I know it, what he was looking at. He was looking at I can't. There's no fix for this. Right. I just got to deal with it. Right. And and I think and I think too that that's you know that's to the point of his story is that he. Um, each time he, it was like we were tweaking a little bit something different. Tweaking now we've got the right thing because it's been years since he's had a stroke, but it was you know oh well we got to fix the diabetes so we worked on that first because we thought okay that's the issue and then it was he wasn't exercising hardly at all like yeah like from here to ten feet away kind of thing yeah and then and he had a weight issue and I'm like if you sit too long like and then he had neuropathy like it, so we were doing one at a time to get it. I mean, I knew the big picture, but he wasn't willing to move on all of it because he threat-generated guns away and also had a lot of the, I don't need to do that, I'm fine, it's okay, I don't, it, yep. until he knew, until each time it kept happening and then multiple other doctors were like, no, you need to do what she's saying. Yeah. But it's he's a, been, for, he was a fortunate person to have, you know, the, yeah. the warning signs. It's a tough battle. I mean, I like to think I'm a reasonable person, but, you know, I've been putting all this stuff, putting all this stuff off, and it's weighing on me now because I've got a decent healthcare program for the next two or three years. Yeah. You know, before I roll over 65. And, you know, it's really, I'm thinking that I should start getting into it now to make sure I can take advantage of this for the next three years if I need to. Right. Yeah. And so I'm encouraging you yeah. to do that as much as possible. Because I imagine that, I know, I would imagine, even though we haven't really talked about it because it was a quick phone call, that you mm -hmm. probably were like, oh, my God, when I told you, right? Yeah, of course. And it probably made you think, oh, uh, you know, 
46. You're not 46. And well, I knew there was some threatening conditions. Right. And, and like I said, I'm healthy. I'm right. Not, I'm not having any particular issues. Well, right. So it's always... So, well, and so to your point about it, people will say, I'm healthy. Reasonably and then, healthy. <laughs> then they don't go yeah. to anyone to have blood work or anything done. And then... Because it's like, ah, I don't need it. So... I was okay with it. And money... A few years ago, I had to have a small plastic surgery done. Yeah. And I blew through my $1,000 deductible on that. And mm-hmm. I'd been sitting there with a cataract. And I said... And I had a month before my year rolled over. I said, oh, I'm getting this done. Mm-hmm. And I had to chase down people to get right. this done and get it done in a month. But I got it done, you know, just because I had capped out on my deductible. Why not get everything done that I could exactly. get done? Yeah. So, exactly. it's, you know, money is a big part of it. Threat generation is a big part of it. But by the same token, at this point, and I guess like most guys, it's part of the equation. At, at this point, you'd like to have a clean bill of health. Right. You know, if you start thinking about it that way, okay, well, find out nothing's wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. And but it's it, so there's the psychology. Plus, of it. oh, here's the other people thing. get afraid. Here's the other thing. Yeah. And it's a dentist thing, and it's a doctor thing. Uh, oh, good, good point. I want to talk about yeah. that too. Go it's ahead. a dentist thing and a doctor thing. You do not want to be shamed. You go like, for example, you haven't had this test in how long? You know, and you're going to get that conversation, and you're going to get you know treated like a six year old. Well, then don't act like a six year old. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the answer. Well, I was so I was going to say that. You know, many doctors used the shame to get people motivated, but I know it's demotivating. Shame also can be demotivating. But so here's an interesting point that I have been talking about, not just this last week, obviously, but and I've talked to you about this before. People don't realize that dental health contributes to your internal organ health. Mm-hmm. And if you your 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 mouth is indicative of what's going on inside your body and that if you do not brush your teeth daily, and you do not floss. I mean, I know everyone's like, oh, flossing. So, but if you don't floss or you're not taking care of your oral hygiene daily with daily brushing and stuff like that, even though people are like, oh, that's so stupid. It, no. It actually, the, the bacteria in your mouth, which goes towards your digestion and the way that things get processed in your body goes right to the liver and kidneys and pancreas and all those things and c- creates liver problems, kidney problems, pancreas problems and all those things to shut it down. So there's a connection between everything that goes in, everything that comes out is all in the line. And it's and so when you're neglecting the opening of where everything starts to get into the body mm-hmm. and you're not doing that, um, then that creates physical problems. People don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that they taught that in like health class and um high schools and i've been asking kids over the over the past like couple weeks anyways because i was going to talk about this as a as a separate podcast and um just like the hygiene of you know mouth and body and all this stuff and they say that they don't cover any of that in health class at all Hmm. and i remember coming up through health class and then saying you know talking about that so i knew that then but and remember the our bodies ourselves book like it talks about that for you know back in the day But but how much of high school landed for most people anyway Right. Let alone health class. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so I, so, all these different ways people, you know, ask like, well, what do I do? Like, you know, start with the basics. Always go to the basics. You know, make sure if you don't want to go to the dentist because you're afraid. Okay, but know that 
if you brush your teeth, at least you're doing one right step. If you're flossing, another right step. You know, even if you do that once a week, it's better than nothing. But the teeth brushing, you have to do that every day because you have, you get cavities and then you have anything like that's rotting away or getting, you know, that goes to things that go into your bloodstream. Your, it gives you neuropathy in your body, which is the tingling in your face. I mean, it leads to all kinds of things and people don't realize that that just basic skill can, I'm not being exaggerating here, but it can kill you mm. and people don't realize it's like oh that doesn't really matter and um, and then you can smell it and when you see when you smell someone like not doing well it's usually in their breath you know halitosis is a reason for people not doing well in their mouth and you get other yeah. things going on if someone's having kidney issues or liver you can smell it and so not to gross everybody out out there but to you it. know these things matter so it's you know it's always going to go back to all the different podcasts i've done for for w women and men's health is you know obviously your skin is an organ so having good hygiene and cleaning that um you know doing good you know teeth brushing um eating clean as clean as possible uh, you know if if you're considering every day the ends and why that you can have a cheat day and have something junky every day that's not healthy that's gonna that's gonna accumulate and you know these things add up if you're not an exerciser and you sit all day in your job that's gonna contribute to it um if you're you know the pandemic we've talked about this the pandemic just put people at ground zero for a lot of these things because yeah. people got complacent and just you know don't want to leave we're seeing it now don't want to leave home <laughs> they're sitting in their pajamas still they're working behind a screen or they're not working and having to see anybody at all so i mean you and i didn't have that we were yeah. out in the world daily but i can't tell you how many patients they'll come in i'm like the only person that they were seeing through the year like they'd come in to see me and then they go back home and do their life at home behind screens it's amazing yeah isn't it yeah and i and i it's just amazing that i i only did a few telehealth people because everyone else i was the only person that they were seeing <laughs> and that whole time out in public um you know peloton in, peloton did increase their sales and so did like the iFit treadmills and stuff but sure. only but not in the beginning more towards this back part of it and that so, was that was people that that were already relatively healthy yes. looking for an outlet right. that wasn't enlisting new people yeah right people didn't jump from their couches to peloton no <laughs> <laughs> they didn't there was no jumping no no there was no jumping at all no but as someone who didn't, the gyms were closed down. Yeah, no, that's what I'm, that, yeah. and that's the thing is that people had to make do, but, you know, I, I was running, so, as you know. Yep. Um, but, so, you know, it's just so important for men and women, but women do it. But men don't seek, and it's like, you know what, today's the day. Just go do it, or or set a goal of, like, you're afraid, you know, your doctor's going to shame you because you're um, eating too much, or your sugar's going to be bad, or your cholesterol because you eat too much steak, or whatever. Prescription worth thousands yeah. of dollars. Uh, or you, know. the, the money. you keep coming back to the money, so clearly that's the one for you. <laughs> it's it's part, it's yeah, sure, it's part of it. And, and so whatever the thing is, is just being able to say, okay, I really need to just take this into my own hands and really do it and stop ignoring it. Because Hey, it's a wake-up call when you have someone that's 46, 46 years old with three kids, yeah. a wife, a mother who has outlived him, a dad who predeceased him within the past 10 years of the same exact thing, a heart attack. Like, so, hmm, it's like, ah, uh, so it was just timely, and I was going to talk about men's health 
like three weeks ago, and here we are. But again, I had the benefit of knowing there are other factors involved. Right. Oh, factors yes. that I don't share. Right. I don't think, you know, not right. to the same extent, to, right. to that degree anyway. Well, yeah, you right. And so, in, in, you know, and well, everybody should be checking those basics. The cholesterol level, and you and you you don't have to be you can be a clean eater by the way and still have bad cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? No. Yeah, because genetically sometimes it can it can roll over and carry over, so you have to be able to tweak the the way you're clean eating to be able to you know because sometimes you're eating something that's causing it that is still clean, but you have to move it around. Um, but everyone should be being checked for cholesterol, the basics, cholesterol, iron, potassium, all the balanced things, uh, sugars, your thyroid, uh, you know, the basic yeah. panels just on a yearly, just to make sure. Um, and I, when I look at my clients, um, blood work, I always, you know, it will give you the range. And this is an education moment. The range for people to understand it. Oftentimes doctors in primary care will say, oh, you're in the range. So ranges are, are ranges to put, you're supposed to sort of be in the middle of those ranges. Right. When you're sitting on the outside of those ranges by one, or one point or two points right on the edges of the internal parts of the line, you're either too high or too low in something, and, and doctors will often be like, oh, you're fine, you're in the range. I often will see those, and I will say, we're going to do another round of something because something else is going on that it's, it's almost over the edge and it's almost under the edge. Yeah. Because that means that there's usually a hyper or a hypo something going on, whether it's thyroid, sugars, or whatever. And I educate you and my listeners to say, don't just take it for face value of, like, I'm in those lines in the range. You, you, if you're going to be healthy in those ranges, you need to be closer to the center of those ranges, not at the ends and the outliers. Is there a variance on blood work like that? Yeah. For example, on a particular day, you're in the range, but yeah, so the other like six days you weren't. Fasting blood work will make you yeah. something different. Yeah. Non-fasting will make you something different on certain tests of the blood. Um, you know, if you had just, if you had just eaten or if you had had a piece of steak the night before, like certain foods will change it yeah. for all the different levels. So, yes, yeah, so that's why you try to, I always try to get people to do a, a, a fasting, um, at least at least 12 to 16 hour fast. Uh, that's another problem. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem, Lou? <laughs> Going 12 hours? Well, 12 hours wouldn't be bad. I could do 12 hours. I think you can make it 12 hours. Yeah. Just sleep. Basically, yeah. Just sleep right through, right? Um, so but, you've got a lot of guys going through day to day. Yeah. And they have a list of fires. Yes. They have there are things going on. There's things they have to deal with, you know, at home, at work, yes. you know, everywhere. And what you're asking, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. What you're asking is to go take on another list. Yes. You know, it's like more fires. But if you're so yes, but the the cognitive. I can't eat this anymore. I got to take this. Uh, you know, I got to go for these additional tests. I got to you know. But see, what I always tell clients is that if you find out what's really going on, we can tweak it so that you'll have less fire and mm. you won't have to have a medication because there's ways to not have to do that. Because obviously, I do everything holistically, ninety percent of the time. If there's a medication that's absolutely necessary, then we go that way. But there's most of the time there's a way if you know what the fire is. There's a way to put it out. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, if you know exactly what it is, there's different things you can do rather than just take a pill and then take a pill to take a pill to make to make that one better. You know, it's, you know, 
one of those things. Do you have to dig down for things when you're talking with men in general? Because as I sit here, and as I've told you a couple times, healthy, everything's okay. I don't have any problems. Do you have to dig another level? Do, do, do men just basically slough off problems? Um, I do have to dig deeper. Um, it's, us it's usually a... The way I usually get it, like men's issues around medical issues or things like that, is it's a usual visual cue that I'm seeing either something... I, I watch for skin tone color. I look for changes in like just like this like the actual skin itself. That's a giveaway. Mm -hmm. um, if they're tired, uh, if they're reporting symptoms of certain types of series of symptoms, just in general, and they're not talking about like anything emotional. They're just talking about like how they're feeling. Like ah, uh, uh, you know, my hips hurting me. Like they'll they'll tell me things right. that will make me have the ability to um, do the integrative medical piece and say, oh, this is what's going on. So then I can say, oh, did you check this or did you check that? And then I usually get deeper, like, I don't want to do that. And Because yeah. instead of it being like I have to dig at some psychological piece, I go right at that medical, like, oh, what's wrong with your hip? And when did that start? And does it pain you? And then I try to link it together for them so I make it more personable, chatty, so they feel like it's a normalized yeah. experience. So they're more likely to go to a, a different type of doctor or their primary care because they see that they're not going to be beaten around the head for doing nothing about something. Right. And... I imagine a lot of guys get to where I was a few years ago, where it's like, oh, I'm of a certain age. You right. Know, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to have some aches eh. and pains. Yeah. So it's interesting because I get, because I get guys that it's like almost like it's a, such a small window because I get the guys that will do the well, I'm blah 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 age now. Who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm going to die. <laughs> I, I get that, and I'm yeah. like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, and they're they're only 55 kind of thing, right? And as you'd think like an 80 per 80 year old would say that. No, it's no. Like, I've got like, I've got the exact opposite threat. Yeah. It's like I'm not going to die, oh. and and I'm no. It's like I'll live till 90, but it'll be really crappy. 90. You and I have to have a therapy session. <laughs> we're gonna. I we have to have. Well, that's part of when we were talking last week when I was saying I was doing this little battle about working out, which I've back in a good streak i've been doing a lot of it mm. but that was one of the re reasons i started is like i, I want to be ambulatory in my 80s i want to be right you know regular, well, you know pretty healthy and you know you, that fear of what 80s and you know i don't know 90s are going to be like well and that and that's the thing is a lot of people give up and i've had this conversation on my podcast before that people give up that oh well i'm this age therefore it means uh, you know, like, oh, my knees are supposed to hurt. No, your knees are hurting you because you're about 100 pounds overweight. So if we take that off or we get you moving more, you'll be more ambulatory. But people have that mindset, like you and I have talked about before, that they go, well, you know, I'm getting older. Um, or, I'm swinging Or it's that. genetic. You know, yeah. like you get people who are like, well, I'm this way because it's genes. I'm like, no. Well, yes, some things. But as I've said, weight I have obesity throughout my whole family, mm -hmm. like on both sides. And I know that, but I could succumb to, oh, it's my genes, or I can know that I have genes that would make me that way, and I have to therefore be mindful and do healthy things. And I would rather do all those healthy things and still drop dead of a heart attack myself doing the healthy things and having sat down and given up kind of thing. Yeah. And I see people do that. And, you know, I've talked about this for the past year and a half of people that get very complacent or complicit to their lifestyle being sedentary and behind a desk at their offices. And the only thing they get out for is to do the transfer between their car and their house yeah. or their car and the grocery store or whatever it is. 
and then they're you know they're you know complaining about their aches and pains and they're they have arthritis and they're young or it's like all these things and you're like well what are you doing about that yeah i'm fighting that equation right now i have the the knee issue which i heard and it's not an ongoing thing it's new in the last month and a half and i thought it would get better and it has gotten better but it's not gone and, you know, so I'm on the treadmill, it's there and it hurts, it's there, it's nagging at me. And I'm thinking, at this age, I'm not going to have knee surgery, I'm not going to have this thing fixed. But by the same token, if I don't, you know, where am I going to be 10 years from now? So, so now, I'll use you as a great example. Yeah. You went right to the extreme of surgery, yeah. right? Instead of it being, my first thought was like, well, let's do some PT on it. And let's do some dry needling on it. And let's get it stimulated. I mean, once we know what's wrong, right? We know Dry needling? Yes. What's that? Dry needling. Oh, so, by the way, I won't disclose who it was, but I had a private session of dry needling for John's knee last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but dry needling is its a fantastic procedure. Um, they're little teeny like acupuncture needles um, that are uh, doctors in PT and doctors of chiropractic and, and some newer trained medical doctors. Um, so what they do is it's these little teeny needles like that. And there's very specific all over the body, very specific points, but it's not like acupuncture where it's just like you're trying to stimulate a region. This is like very specific points where you put the needles in on the line of wherever the injury is for different, like the tibia, the fibia, like for the knee or mm-hmm. behind the knee, et cetera. I won't go into the big words. And the, in the certain it's an nerves. MCL. What? It's an MCL. Yeah, he has an MCL tear. So yep. he so he has a tear and he's got issues, but you don't do the tear itself. So you put the needles in and what they do is they go into the nerve that is being tapped and it stimulates the nerve to give some relief and tension release around the actual injury so it allows for it to have some growth musculature wise when the person's doing PT but also so that it stimulates the nerve for repair and also to release it so that it um, tells the brain that it's going to you know reroute itself so that it stops like hurting there and gets the inflammation down so depending on where you're putting it on all different sides and it works beautifully so you can do that and so i've had it done when i had my um i had a hip issue going on when i was running the marathon a couple years ago and uh um fractures i had fractured my shins running boston marathon the first two years yeah it's awful that can't be so i had uh, they 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 did the dry needling so different from shin splints well it started out as a shin splint okay and then there are very few things it was very bad that are more painful than shin splints it was so painful yeah yeah it was it was so i'll tell you the story another time but it was so painful but the the dry needling what they did is that you can put electrical stim on it and it sends it down through into the nerves and it's basically rerouting and rewiring your nervous system in your brain to send to that area to repair yeah in short and it's fantastic and it works beautifully so if you're doing that um, if you have PT with someone and they know how to do that, I highly recommend you to ask them because it's a great way to repair those injuries. You can do it in your shoulder. You can do it anywhere. It's for, you can even do facial release with yep. it. It's And you don't feel it. Like You feel like little twinges right. because it's hitting the nerves and, and doing that, but it's not painful. But it, and, and great science behind it. It's not like some voodoo schmoodoo kind of like, ooh, touchy So basically you're resetting, like. you're resetting the alarm yep. and, and telling the body it's okay. it needs some work. Yep. You're yeah. telling your body it's okay to repair itself because your brain, when you're in pain, 
right, or when you're not feeling well, is on the track of keeping it. Um, protecting it, keeping yeah, it from injuring it from more. Like, yeah, protecting it from like, okay, so it's always compensating. But when you do that kind of work on with dry needling or, or stim, what it's doing is it's saying, oh, it's okay, this is working yeah. in a different way. And so it's allowing your brain to relax from the alarm system it was in. Because the pain changes your gait. And yes. things start traveling around. Right. Yeah. That people are like, oh, my God, my knee was hurting, but now my back is. And yeah. I'm like, that's because you're compensating too much with the other side. And now you're sitting yeah. different or, you know, and, and like, oh, and PTs will tell them that. and Kinetic chain. Right. We're dealing with the kinetic chain, yeah. Right. Yeah. So so it's very cool. And, um, but it, it, but it's, it's, but to get someone to do that, like John hadn't heard of that. So I, ha you know, I have a friend. I have a friend <laughs> who's a doctor. Yeah. And, uh. Just happened to do dry needling, and it was very funny. It was actually a very funny thing because he was like, "What's that? I'm not doing." You know, typical guy. <laughs> typical guy. No, you know? no, I didn't say what's that. I'm not doing. I, know, I said, I know, "What's he, that? I'm going to look into this." Yes. Yeah. Well, he well he was very you know he wanted it, but he was like, yeah. and he then it was really funny because he wouldn't stop moving, and she kept looking at me going, "Does he ever stop moving?" I'm like, "No," <laughs> and he wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> but then he was like, "Oh, this feels so much better," and he had pretty immediate relief from the pain that he was having in the back of the knee afterwards so i made i, I wrote a list for him to take to pt to say you need your pt to do this for you because she had to leave and go home yeah so but you know and that's just you know there's great new technology so to speak out there for people mm -hmm. that aren't invasive and it keeps it away from surgery this was to the point i was making is that people go right to oh god i'm going to need surgery or it's going to be this thing and i'm going to be out of work or i'm not going to be able to run or but most of the time, there's really good stuff out there now that doesn't have to be this scary, invasive thing. And even if you do need surgery, turnaround times after surgeries on some things are fast. I mean, yeah. you get pretty good. There's some surgeries like knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries. They're pretty quick. I mean, because they're so common, especially if someone's got, you know, bone on bone rub and they're yeah. doing replacements, you know. But um, those cases, obviously, surgeries have to happen, but when they're just muscular or ligament or something like that, that can all be PT'd if you're doing it correctly, so you don't have to be in pain. Yeah. So I encourage people, like, don't sit in the pain. Go. Just go, because there's things to do. You don't have to go. There's no medication when people take pain medication. You know what pain medication does for injuries? It makes the false sense in the brain that they can work out on them, and it makes the injury worse, or they can sit longer yeah or the it's a false sense it's a band-aid medications are band-aids unless you absolutely have to have them like antibiotic or if you need something for your psych med or something you know but if unless you are an absolute dire like death pain you don't need vicodin you don't need oxycodone oh, God, you don't no. need, you take take a tylenol i remember for that uh and god stay away from that stuff i, I remember for the plastic surgery yep. and it was it was less than 10 stitches on my face Yep. Which gives you an idea because usually there's a lot of stitches on the face. Right. And they're handing me seven days of Vicodin. I'm going, this, this isn't ibuprofen deal. This isn't right. This isn't Vicodin. You've got to be out of your mind. I'm, not, I'm surprised seven days because usually it's 20. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'd have given me a refill if I wanted it. Right. And I've run myself into problems with ibupes too because I've, yep. I've hurt my liver. At times when I've been on it heavy. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and yeah, and it's, it's it's not meant to be on all the time. People right. are always, you know, so, I mean, well, really quick story is I, as you know, don't take anything, you know, occasionally an Aleve or an ibuprofen or something like that. But so when I went in for my, I had an appendicitis after a half marathon a few years back. I came across. <laughs> after a marathon. After, yeah. yeah okay. And I came across the, the finish line and John was like, you're awfully white. 
how do you feel? I was like, I'm fine. I was, apparently I was, everyone was like, God, you, you look like totally ashen. I was fine. That's the place to do it. You have plenty of medical around. I was totally fine. <laughs> um, and I was insistent that I was supposed to go run, I was supposed to go climb Mount Washington that weekend. And <laughs> let me tell you the story. So, so everyone's looking at me like, you were insane. Something's wrong with you. And, you know, yeah. I, by the way, I was crawling on my hands and knees, like after, I'm not, I did great in the marath- in the half marathon, but, yeah. I, you know, so, you know, here I am like doubled over crawling on my knees and, and I'm like, I'm going to go to the top of that mountain. And everyone's like, really, you're going to do that? I'm like, I'll be fine. So it's just gas. It's yeah. something, whatever. So here I am in the hospital and the doctor is like, uh, you're going to need an emergency surgery. So... <laughs> And I'm like, no, I'm climbing Mount Washington this weekend. I'll come back. I, I swear to God, that's what I said. And she was like, no, you're going to have it now because you're going to have it ruptured. So they... That's a place to rupture appendix, I did appendix have, on Mount rupture, Washington. But it was huh? huge because yeah. yeah. I got to see it afterwards. Yeah. Um, and they were like, wow. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> they showed it to me. Who needs I'm to doctor, see that? What do you expect? Who needs so to see that? I can't help it. John wanted to keep it. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, well, give me, so getting to the point of the... Oh, and they the, showed you the, the actual one? The, your actual Yeah, they showed mine. To me. In person? Yes. It wasn't like a shot or anything? Okay. No, they showed me. No, they actually showed it to me in the little jar. I wasn't lying. Who needs to see that? Well, because I'm a doctor. They were like... What is it, like it? a part, an auto repair place? They show you the know, parts? It's one of those fascinating things. We're all yeah. weird. <laughs> it's very fascinating. So anyway, so... But going into the surgery, they asked me all these questions about medication. I'm like, no, 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 no. And so it was funny because, you know, so many people don't tell the truth. And so many people do take all those medications or they've had them, which I've never. So they, apparently when I was being put under by the anesthesiologist, he turned and looked at John and said, tell me the truth because she could die yeah and if she's taking anything but she's saying it's just like nothing zero yep. so it was funny because they were like there's no way she's right not taking something because i was in so much pain they were assuming i had taken something right and i'd refused all medication so they were very they thought you were ramping up with the pain and trying right. to cover it and, yeah. you know yeah. and, and i had refused medication they couldn't figure out like how could you be in this much pain and not be on medication and i was like i'm fine so after it was over they were they offered me this huge amount of um vicodin and i took nothing yeah and there was more pain at the little you know they did the little microscopic incision for like the because they did it that way yep and there was more pain at that incision than any time yeah. I was in pain from the whole appendicitis issue. <laughs> and I was after that, I was like, oh, now I need to take ibuprofen. <laughs> That's yeah. when I needed it. But they wanted to send me home with 30 Vicodin. And I'm like, no, thank you. I don't need that, and I will not take that, and no. But that's, it, it, so this, this is, was, you know, how long ago is this? Like, people get scared of that. So you have someone that's in addiction, they have to go in, you know, I'm not in addiction, but if someone's in addiction, they go in for a surgery, they've been sober, and then yeah, I'm, I always ramp up my clients who have to have surgery who are in recovery to say, listen, you have to tell the doctors that you, you're, you can't have these things. How long ago was this? When I, um, let's say, the appendicitis. Two, hold on, I'm going to tell you it was 2013 or 14? Okay. 2013 or 14. Yeah. Yeah. My thing was, what, four years ago, maybe five years ago? Yep. And handing out to me, at that point in time, maybe it wasn't so much. It seems irresponsible to me. Uh-huh. And when I hear a kid, a high school athlete, going in and being handed, Vicodin, 
or Oxycontin, uh -huh. or it, it, and they don't have any regard for handing this out. They don't know what your history of addiction is. They don't know if you have a problem. In the past. They don't. They're just handing this stuff out. Well, it's just it's incredible. It's still being done. Well, and here's the thing. And if I were a parent. Someone handing so my clients, kid Oxycontin? So Are you kidding that me? go into college that have ended up in addiction because of a sport-related injury yeah. because of that exact issue. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I did. No, but that's that's the thing. And it's it's um, Russian roulette. Yeah. It's it's no less than Russian roulette with right. kids, handing them a Vicodin or well, an Oxy. Well, and, 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 and not to knock some of the primary cares and because it's not to meant to knock, but there's so many people that are... So I'll use some... I have clients that will not know for a reason they will not know to tell their doctors i'm this or that because they assume because they're a doctor and they have that degree that the doctor already knows or assumes or is already just they just figure so i'm always or it's safe i'm always if, front -loading the, if the doctor is giving have it have to yeah. let this person know that you have this issue you can't take that if you do this is what happens and they're like oh you don't think the doctor will know that or i get people coming back from surgeries or things and saying and I'll say, okay, you can't do this, you can't do that, this is what you can't. And they're like, how come my doctor didn't tell me that? And I'm like, I can't answer that. Yeah. But I'm and so they'll go back and then find out, like, and the doctor will be like, oh, yeah, I thought you knew that. that it, like, this has been going on for years, that yep. dialogue. So it's But just, parents it, will look at a doctor handing their teenager Vicodin. Right. And they'll say, the doctor gave it to him. It's got to be okay. Right. No. And that's the assumption. Well, the, no. the person in authority, the expert, gave yeah. me this, therefore it must be fine. Or it's, you know, it's prescribed, so therefore it's okay. And that doesn't mean it's okay. So, I mean, yeah. for one person, one is too many of those. Plus there's this whole mentality now of our expectation of no pain. Right. After procedures, with injuries, with recoveries, with rehabs. Mm -hmm. Now have a little pain. Right. You You're going to have pain. Yeah. Right. But, and you were having pain before, so... You know, yeah, because you're literally rolling the but dice. People don't, but people don't like that. People don't like pain. I know. So and nobody likes pain. I, I always point out that you'd rather have a little pain than than have to deal with it coming off of uh, the addiction to those pills. Yeah. Because it's a lot. It's a lot, and it's and that's why a lot of people stay on them, because the coming off if they try to come off and they've been on them for like four or five weeks and now they're stuck. They're all of a sudden like, oh my god, you know, they get the sweats. You don't even have anxiety. to go to full-fledged addiction right. to have that withdrawal. You right. can have the withdrawal, like you said, four or five weeks in. I mean, that right. may not be a full-blown addiction. It may, but it may right. not be a full-blown addiction at that point. But still, the, the weaning off them is difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then that, by the way, those opiated, anything that's in those families, right, the addiction families of, of pills, creates physical maladies in you it gives you gastrointestinal issues it gives you liver and kidney issues it can create lung and heart issues you can have diabetes come around because of those things you can have weight problems because of those like so and people don't realize what they're you know you are what you eat essentially right yeah. you know there was a there was a poster that was in my gym for years when i was growing up in gymnastics which was totally deranged on the level of being an eating disordered gymnast, right? But it was once on the once on the lips, forever on the hips, and it was this spread of all this stuff. It totally screwed up every kid probably yep. in the world that we were in. But to its true point, 
whatever you're putting in your body, whether it's a pill, caffeine, sugar, nicotine, food, whatever, it's getting converted to something either really good or something really bad. Yep. And so, you know, and that includes those pills. You are what you eat. I mean, yeah. it's, it's simple, it's basic, but it's... Right. Well, you are what you eat and you are what you do or don't do. Mm-hmm. And you can't, as we, I talked about what, four weeks ago, and I say this often, is you cannot outrun a bad diet. Yeah. You can't. can't outwork it out. can't. You have to have everything that's going in has to be as best it can. That doesn't mean you can't have cake. That doesn't mean you can't have your Advil. Yep. But it does mean that if you're eating cake every day and you're taking lots of Advil and you're taking Percocet, well, we got a problem. <laughs> we might have a problem. The system might have a problem. So the lesson for, day, for yes. today is for men to try to find a way to deal with the fact they need to maintain the health. Yeah, yeah, yes, the lesson of the day is is all people, but particularly men, because you you tend to not go seek out care, is to try to just take one of your threats and address it so you're not getting overwhelmed yeah that, that would be you know instead of it being like oh my god i will go and everything will be apart go get your eyes checked start there go get your dental um you know if you're afraid of the regular doctor is going to tell you all these things okay we'll start small or if you're afraid that your cholesterol is bad and you don't even know that yet okay well if you're a smart person which most people are they're going to take you know don't eat red meat for a couple weeks take out butter for a while you know there's things that you can do that are kind of common sense and mainstream that you don't need a doctor to tell you that just eat a little bit better move a little bit more and you know don't smoke don't drink i mean it's kind of common sense if you're afraid and then you can go in but i think sometimes shifting responsibility to men in terms of in this case children mm-hmm. loved ones family mm-hmm. you know it's just you're leaving a lot behind mm-hmm well, and that and that was for that point, negligence. Forty-six yeah. years old is, yeah. and three kids behind, and a wife, yeah. and a dog, and friends. See, I feel bad for the dog. Grieving. <laughs> they were very, they were very good buddies. Yeah, they were very good buddies. So it's, it's a lot. So. So take those responsibilities as seriously as the other responsibilities that you take. Mm. Because they, men te- might tend to think that that's a selfish looking right. out for your health, things mm-hmm. like that, but. Uh, among the other threat generation that we do, right? Yeah, it's, it's awful. part of your responsibility. The for, you know, as Bill says, the uh, uh, most important ability is availability. Exactly. Right. Yep. So exactly. Be available for your people. Be healthy and be, mm-hmm. you know, be there all the time. Yes. So. Well, so on this happy note today, um, go out there and do something for yourself to make yourself feel healthy today. Take the step, if it's one thing a day to start and you haven't been doing it and you get up to call the doctor, that would be great. But nonetheless, do healthy things for yourself because you never know. Life is very short and so you never know. So anyone, anyway, everyone have a great week. I will not be on the show on Wednesday because that's the day of the funeral this week. So Mm -hmm. that's why we had the show today, unfortunately. But fortunately, you got to still have me here. And um, everyone have a great week and I will see you next week with bells on. See you then.